This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello and welcome to Comings and Goings, a live emergency Zoom podcast from Romaniacs in the Bunker. Thanks for registering. We'll be releasing this as a Bunker Daily episode and also putting the video on the Patreon site of both shows. Uh, Andrew Harrison will be keeping an eye on his news window uh, to see if anything exciting comes out of number 10 uh, while we're talking. But uh, if not, we will press on. In case you missed the only news story in Britain this weekend, this is where we are. Yesterday, The Guardian and Mirror revealed that lovable podcast fave Dominic Cummings and his wife flouted lockdown regulations at the end of March by driving 250 miles to the home of Cummings' parents in Durham when both had COVID-19 symptoms. Their excuse was they needed childcare for their four-year-old, although that story kept changing during the day. Meanwhile, cabinet ministers ritually degraded themselves with tributes to the great quasi-leader and attacks on the press only for the Mirror and Observer to do a Columbo and mention one more thing at the end of the day. <laughs> Eyewitnesses claimed that Cummings had been sighted at a local beauty spot on the 12th of April, admiring the Bluebells, and returned to Durham on the 19th of April. Roz, um, the outrage has been striking. A lot of people I know who haven't been furious uh, so far are completely blazing about this. And I think people have put up with a lot over the last nine weeks. There's frustration, anxiety, grief. People have missed relatives on their deathbeds. They've missed attending funerals. Has this uncorked something that was sort of, that was simmering? And it's, the, the reaction is far more powerful uh, than the government expected. Yeah, there's been an undertone of frustration. And I think that's been growing and growing and growing throughout lockdown. And particularly as people have started to realise that we locked down later, we locked down too late and the, what the consequences of that are in terms of us coming out of lockdown. And they're looking around at other countries and seeing them coming out of lockdown and we are already doing so in a very limited way. And there is, so there, there are people already beginning to have their doubts about Johnson per se. And this is really a story about Johnson as much as Cummings because we kind of know the measure of the man with Cummings. I mean, he's, he's basically, you know, Rasputin is the... Is the uh, comparison most often used he is seen as pretty pretty scary and possibly even fairly evil but um he is nonetheless uh seen as necessary in order to implement the johnson project but it now comes down to a question of johnson's judgment and johnson is clearly very very anxious to keep him in in, in um, the job and yet will not come out and say anything really publicly in his support all we've had is that ridiculous daily mail thing he leaked to the daily mail that said well at least he wasn't out shagging which you know i realize is a scenario that johnson is very familiar with but 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 is nonetheless no fuck yeah, no foul yeah. is johnson's irrelevant. and so it becomes now not so much about cummings who we knew was very dodgy and certainly we as remainers you know did it becomes about Johnson's judgment in keeping him and whether he's a strong enough prime minister to get rid of someone who is doing him so much harm or if he's put himself so much in hock to someone else that he can't and that's why it's so dangerous. 
But do you think also that the, the, because there have been lots of reports about the kind of failure to to go into lockdown earlier? There's one in the Sunday Times today, a little overshadowed, unfortunately. Yeah. But again, talking about the lives lost by not going lockdown yeah. earlier, uh, and people, a lot of people are cross about this. Um, but there's something here where it just sort of it crosses all political lines and offends a sense of fair play. It's like if you follow the rules, you don't want to be made to feel like a mug. If you've seen somebody, you know the way that British people react when someone pushes in to a queue. You know, that's not a political thing. It's a kind of, it's a fundamental sort of national trait. It's just like, yeah, I mean, you, you, all, don't, you don't feel you're above the rules. We've all been forced to make really difficult moral and ethical systems. And, you know, I remember a decision I had to make a few weeks ago when my father was dying, and, the, and not of COVID, I hasten to add. He was dying and the care home said, you can visit him if you want to, um, on the, you know, the day before he died in the end. And I had to decide whether I should go down and see him or whether that was an irresponsible thing to do. And in the end, I did, you know, and it was a difficult decision um, to make. And we all have those. And lots of people make quite understandably the decision not to see their their relatives, either because they had COVID or because they were personally in more danger than I was or all kinds of other reasons. And to see someone flouting the rules in such a kind of cavalier in such an unnecessary way I think because the excuse about children is rubbish you know loads of us have children <laughs> it, it's 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 not a special a special case and pretending as well that he has a toddler he doesn't have a toddler he has a four-year-old there's a huge difference as anyone who has kids know. Um, it's but also the implication there is that if you if you haven't broken the rules you don't love yeah. the kids enough yeah. it's like one thing as we've discovered on twitter recently is like just don't don't start getting into kind of parent yeah. wars. Yeah, don't do it. And that's essentially what they did. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Alex, that's just one of the many ways in which the government has misjudged this. We even had Attorney General Suella Braveman justifying breaking the rules. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that they got wrong. Um, wh- what do you think? What do you think that they kind of? What's the fundamental misjudgment here that explains yesterday's response? You have to look at the, the the first thing to do is to untangle the Cummings story, okay? Because it's what happened was that two sets of rules kind of mingled. So a lot of people, for instance, when they say, "Well, at least he didn't do it," you know, to visit his girlfriend and have a shag. Well, those are not the same rules, though, are they? Because Ferguson didn't have symptoms. And that is a thing to really make as clear as possible. You can't conflate the rules as they were for people in general lockdown with the rules as they were for, for households that had symptoms. Those rules are much stricter and they were much, much clearer. So the new Shap's line is basically that well, everyone has to ultimately decide where they spend lockdown. So he made a decision that this is where he wanted to go and lock down, and that's what he did, but then he stayed put, so that's all right. Um, and, and I think a lot of people remember back to the time when lockdown was imposed, that one of the clearest advice was, don't go to your second homes. Don't go to your holiday homes. That's not essential travel. I mean, the police actually issued uh, advice, guidance, saying that's not essential travel. You deciding you would rather isolate, you know, on your seaside 
bungalow in Whitstable is not an essential reason for travel. You have to stay where you are. So I don't, I don't see how they can justify it, but justify it, they will try to. They completely sort of misread the way that the mood of the country sort of changed uh, during this pandemic. It seems that their response was very much, it's kind of fake news. We're not going to bother with, you know, addressing these allegations from campaigning newspapers, which is an astonishing criticism to make, given the role of, you know, something like the Telegraph in, 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 in endorsing Brexit and, and Johnson. Well, their son, their son, who... who had Johnson, yeah. do you remember that, that one page of Johnson as the son? Yeah, yeah. So, so but they, 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 it was basically just like, oh, you know, fake news, shut up. Nobody cares. You know, nobody in the real world cares. It's just Twitter outrage. No apology required. Um, and it just seems like, well, obviously that wasn't going to work. That's worked many, many times in the past. But it just seems that they didn't understand. It seems like the, the disconnect between the government and the mood of the country, particularly for a government that prides itself and Cummings himself on prides himself on being on populism and understanding what the people want. It just seems remarkable. Yeah, yeah. He even said that. Cummings even said that outside his house when he was challenged by a journalist. He said, well, you thought you understood people when it came to Brexit, but you didn't. He actually brought that up. Um, I think it's what you were talking about last time, um, Dorian, when we had a live uh, Chad, do you remember you were saying how obsessed people had become about the the smaller things during lockdown, how basically everyone's vision had, has narrowed down and they're looking for the next thing to get absolutely livid about. And I think that's the bit they misjudged. And this came along and everyone is going nuts from being locked down for two months. And suddenly they see this story that the person who actually sort of came up with the rules was flouting them. And it's like a red rag to a bull. Um, Andrew, I think, I mean, yesterday was a very shaming day for cabinet ministers, including people like, uh, I mean, people you don't expect anything better of, but also people like Rishi Sunak, who's had a very good crisis, generally well admired. And they were all sort of lining up to make this, this, you know, grotesque points about, well, you know, you've got to look after your kids you know, losers. Um, (laughs) What do you hate your kids? (laughs) The thing is about Cummings is he's not that popular. Like Steve Baker, you know, and he was just saying, people don't really like him, like Gove likes him, but he doesn't really communicate beyond Gove and Johnson. He's not well liked. Why are they going to such lengths, essentially debasing themselves to defend this sort of divisive, unelected advisor? Well, because he, as well as being Rasputin, he's Joffrey. They're frightened of him, and he's awful, and he's cruel, and he just, he's destroying norms is not just a method for him, it's a goal. So they fear him. Um, but also, I mean, this government, is it's defined by attack, and it's not none of them are very comfortable with defence. I think also you've got quite a lot of second-raters, um, and Rishi Sunak, that we think is the kind of, the, you know, the, the, the giant of the government, I mean, he's okay as politicians go, but he's defined, you know, his stature is defined by the absolute fifth-rate nature of the likes of, I mean, you know, under normal circumstances, the notion of someone like Suella Braverman as Attorney General would be something from the movie Idiocracy. (laughs) I mean, she is a simpleton. 
and a nasty simpleton at that. So, you know, why have they rushed to defend him like this? Well, partly because it's a Trumpian loyalty test, as with all um, kind of malign, organized, uh, you know, fundamentally abusive organizations, you are, meant, you are made to dip your hand in the blood. You are made to, you know, we've all seen The Godfather, you are made to go out and perform a hit to prove your loyalty. And as we saw, as we've seen with so many of Trump's um, acolytes, they are made to burn their political capital to prove their loyalty to the leadership and to the leader. They are ma made to burn their credibility in public. Um, now, you know, that's a tough choice. And they all obviously, nobody resigned over, uh, over um, making this defense. They've circled the wagons. Um, but the strange thing is that for a government that's defined by attack, it's not very good at defense. It's actually best dealt with by an old-fashioned, utterly insincere mayor culpa. Lessons will be learned. I'm sorry if anybody was offended. Let's move on. Let's draw a line. Let's come together. Times are difficult, and we shouldn't allow ourselves to be distracted from the important work. They don't know how to do that. And actually, I think that flows from Johnson and Cummings. Cummings has set the tone of this government, and the tone of the government is never apologize, never explain. The tone of the government is only one group of people matters, and that's our supporters, and everybody else can fuck off. So a kind of thing, in a, you know, in a grand tragedy manner, it's all coming to fruition, and it's kind of his own doing. He set this temperature, and now they're living, living with it. As Alex said on the podcast, I can't remember whether it was Romaniacs or, 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 uh, or The Bunker, but as Alex said a couple of weeks ago, he's, he's Johnson's last firewall. Everybody else has been, is, is either on fire right now or has been burnt to a crisp. And we saw last week all of the very worrying talk about reform of Public Health England. Public Health England needs reform. It's not quite the purpose. Why is that? Because it hasn't shown Johnson in anything like a flattering light. The, 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 the tide is lapping in, as, as, uh, as, as Alex said a, a couple of weeks ago. So they have to defend him. They have, they have no alternative because what happens if he goes? Our absentee prime minister is standing there naked. I just remember saying on the podcast that, that, that you know, that the only way that Cummings would go would be hubris, that his downfall would be just his immense arrogance. But I didn't expect it to be something so volatile, something that you really can't, well, I say you can't, we haven't, he, he's still in a place at the moment. But it seems like something you can't front out. Yeah, he's still there, so he's just checking. Uh, yeah, it's not only is it something you can't front out, but also so stupid and petty. I mean, it's like, just, it says this is the one thing we didn't want to happen. Don't tell the entire country to stay indoors no matter what. And then have the guy who not only co-wrote co -wrote that policy, but promulgated all the messaging that says, I mean, you can see it behind me. If one person breaks the rules, we all suffer. Do you know what I mean? So don't have the one guy whose fingerprints are all over this break it not just once but it appears now three times in the most brazen manner possible and the defense is yeah but you know it's a bit whatever you know shut up whatever that's the response the response is full vicky pollard yeah but, well, no, the, level, but yeah. The, the level of the defense seems to be that if you're caught speeding and you just go right yeah i was speeding the thing is i was in a hurry yeah like i yeah. really needed to get somewhere quickly and like generally I don't know. I'm not very law-abiding. I was really thirsty for a pint. But I was dying for a pint. Come on, guys! It generally doesn't work. That's not the point of rules. Anyway. Yeah, the point of rules. But I think that goes back to the psychology of the of the vote leave government that we've got, which is that they rode to power on the idea. And and Brexit is the same. You know, these things were brought about by the idea of the land of do as you please. 
What if rules didn't apply? What if all the smart people telling you you can't do things could just be told to do one? What if you could just do the things you wanted to do without any kind of comeback? And what if there was a prime minister who was an avatar of that? What if there was a prime minister that you could live through? What if there was an American president that you could kind of see as a version of yourself? I mean, that old truism about Trump being a loser's idea of a winner and a weakling's idea of a strong man and a sucker's idea of a smart guy and a coward's idea of a brave guy, which does apply to, to Johnson as well. These people are avatars for a section of all of our societies, not just Britain. Um, you know, people who are angry and resentful and weak, and often they've got good reason to feel all of those things. But those things can curdle into something truly malignant. They have, this is our government, and that is what, you know, Dominic Cummings is just the head of the pimple. He's just that big yellow head of the pimple with his bulging head who embodies all of this stuff. I'm quite angry, Dory, and I've been quite angry for 48 fucking hours now. Everybody's I don't think I've been into as much of a rage about anything in politics like this as I now am. I'm turning into the Glenn Beck of this stuff. Yeah, no. And I, every time I see someone defend defend something, I'm just I just like what a well. I spent I, mean, I squandered a sunny day yesterday uh, fighting with people saying like, yeah, but come on, snowflakes. I mean, you'd have done the same. No. No, I wouldn't. And in fact, millions of us didn't, didn't do, do We can prove we yeah. have a test case. And I want to point out that when Neil Ferguson resigned, I said he should resign because he was yep. responsible for this policy partly. And you, that's yeah. it. So it's not even a partisan thing. Anyway. And, and not just that, but also because it's a bad look. It says it will tolerate this, then it doesn't matter for anybody. So you've got to be absolutely in the clean. If you are bringing this message forth, then you yourself have got to be spotless. And I, I think that's the more important, I think that's the more important point, actually. Not the backwards-looking one, but the forwards-looking yeah. one is, is the more crucial thing. What does this do to adherence to the rules going forward? Because with all this going on, we can't forget there's still a fucking pandemic. Well, I want to come to, I want to, come to Ross you know, on this one, um, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a great. We, I've gone out on a walk to to admire the bluebells um, in my hometown, um, and there's a lot more people out. And and you know, there, there's some distance. It's a little more loosey goosey. And we are in this period. This news is broken in this period of great uncertainty in the stay alert phase, where people aren't quite sure what they should be doing. Do you think that this is genuinely going to undermine the lockdown and and send? and send the wrong message? Because I suppose that's the really dangerous part of it. I think the real risk is that it, it extends the common sense message, which Johnson was starting to push anyway, even before all this happened. And you can tell that, that it was his instinct to do that, to say when, when the slogan changed from stay at home to stay alert, and the idea was very much pushed that we should all be using our common sense to decide what was and what was not appropriate. And so the lockdown then becomes a matter of individual morality rather than a group endeavour. And that has been the real damage that has been done by, by this incident, yeah. that it plays, it plays into a lot of things. It plays into the sense that the elites can get away with more than we can. I mean, I thought... It hasn't been picked up so much on, but the, the, one of the moments for me was the realisation that Mary Wakefield, who wrote a column in The Spectator about what she had Dom had been up to during lockdown, which never mentioned going to Durham, obviously just said that he had been very ill and had been lying in bed, unable to move for about 10 days. Um, and 
Yeah, a bed. Like an a bed. Um, and uh, she had, uh, in the end, she had been so moved by his condition that she had got down on her knees and started praying for, for Boris um, uh, because it had made her realise uh, the true depths of suffering which this disease could cause and had, had, had brought that home to her. And she then repeated this message on Thought for Day, which admittedly is about the standard of what you get on Thought for Day now, but um, is, is, is just the sheer kind of hypocrisy of that and clearly the lies involved really brings it home even more the extent to which that he, not just Cummings but his family too were prepared to exploit and lie about the situation he was in for their own personal gain so it becomes yeah it, it becomes a a an, an enormous a wedge that's been that's been uh put forward between people who apparently have the right to use their common sense in lockdown and are sensible and clever enough to get away with using their, using their common sense and people who didn't have a bloody choice in the first place. He's also, I mean, there is a certain irony here is in, is in the sort of the arch populist and, and an enemy of mm. the elites using, using elite mm. privilege and, and, and not just using it, but then claim it like boasting about it. And you've had people like, um, uh, you know, real kind of Brexiters like uh, Brendan O'Neill, David Goodhart, sort of defending it and going, well, he's very important. You see, he's very important, so he has to break the rules. Because but you think that, like, that, that the, the point hell? of defending it, but the point of defending it is to say the thing that everybody who isn't them will go, oh my God, how can you do that? It is commentary and government and message leading by trolling. No, I don't the think, I think David Goodhart I think it's part that. of it. I think, he, I think he genuinely kind of, they're, they're making excuses. They're not all just winding up the, the Remainers. I, think I mean, that a, is part of it. But. It's a partly a kind of idea that has taken root, that Cummings himself is some kind of ubermensch who can get away with stuff and do stuff and should be allowed to do stuff that the rest of us can't. He's unelected. But the reason he's got to where he is is because he's so damn clever and extraordinary that he's indispensable to the project. And that is what now they are moving towards because there's no justification otherwise for him being in post. So they have to say, well, he's so incredible, he has to stay anyway. That's the twisted logic behind it. So, Alex, I mean, we're talking there about some of the usual suspects, but actually the pressure on Cummings to resign or be sacked isn't just partisan. There's, there's a few Tory MPs this morning uh, kicked off, kicked off yeah, by yeah. Steve Baker, who actually worked with Cummings during the referendum campaign. We've had hardline brexiters like Julia yeah. Hartley Brewer and Tim Montgomery, not my favourite people, uh, saying he should go. There was a flash YouGov poll yesterday, 68% yeah. said he broke the guidelines, 52%, which, as we know, is the magic number that must be obeyed, uh, said that said that he should resign. Um, is he, you know, are we being carried away uh, by what we would like to happen? But is, can he survive this when people like that, not just the, the public, but also Brexiters turning on him? Of course he can survive it, um, because this is a government with a very fresh and very large mandate. So he can survive it, no doubt about it. The question is how much damage is the government willing to suffer for him to survive it? Because it doesn't look to me like this is going anywhere away. Uh, it, you know, Pippa Crer is a bloody smart journalist. And let me tell you, there is another story and another part to this story, and there will be a photo of him somewhere. 
And, you know, this will just keep going on and on. And so the question is, how much damage are they willing to take in order for him to stay in post? And how much damage are MPs and ministers willing to take don't you think this is significant in this time of, you know, endless sort of culture war and leave versus remain and everybody springs to their positions that you've had people who really admire Cummings and are very thankful to him for delivering uh, Brexit and a Tory yeah. landslide. And they're saying that he should go. That to me seems very different to kind of, you know, Romaniacs <laughs> uh, saying he should go. I think that's because there is a sense that he will eventually have to go. And so there are a few people saying, why do X damage and then have to go rather than go now and then, you know, fade into the background somewhere, advise an officially as a consultant, and then six months later come back? Um, you know, I mean... It's not like he hasn't done it before. Do you remember he resigned before the he resigned before the election because there was something with the rules, and then was brought back to advise on the floods, and then resigned again, and then as soon as they were back into Downing Street, they didn't even announce he was being rehired. So he was always sort of there. Um, the the thing, my angle. Stuff like that makes me spring back to my legal training. That's what happens. I immediately start thinking, you know, what's, what's going on here? And the thing with the lockdown is that the rules about people who have symptoms are still ongoing. You know, they haven't been relaxed. Although now everyone will be really confused about them but they're absolutely key to keeping R down. They're absolutely key to not getting a second wave. That's, the, that's really the bit of the rules that really matters, is how people behave if they have symptoms. That's the most important yeah, part yeah. of it. And that now has been undermined. The police have been undermined, who are also a key part of it, and the government have been undermined. So... You know, people looking to see what are the rules, what are we supposed to do, really are rudderless at the moment. Andrew, this feels to me like the mirror image of Boris Johnson in hospital. That There was a period there where the sense where, OK, if even the prime minister has this, you know, that we're all in this together, right? which obviously, you know, we've, we've picked holes in that kind of idea. But it's, it's a really potent idea. It's actually really important. Uh, in a time like this, that sense of solidarity. Um, and this seems like the opposite. It's actually like, no, d don't give a fuck. Um, what lasting damage do you think will, well, I suppose I'm interested in, will the damage to the government's reputation and to its judgment, you know, people's faith in its judgment be worse if they lose the star advisor? Um, and appear to be beaten by, I don't know, the, the snowflakes and the, the left-wing press and so on, or if they keep him and it just seems that they don't give a shit and they will defy public opinion. Like, what's the worst option for the government? In one respect, both options are, are, are pretty bad for them. Um, if he goes, it's the first 
chink in the armor. It's the first time they prove that, 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 you know, their USP is, is implacable, relentless invulnerability, never apologize, never explain, keep steamrolling on the press, the judiciary, parliament, everybody is just a remoaning, um, you know, uh, obstructionist and the entire modus operandi is we will just keep going forever and nothing will stop us. So if it's proved that not just a member of the government, but basically the second most most powerful person in the country, one could argue, can be uh, forced out at least formally, then, you know, that's that's a bad um, sign for the credibility of the government whose entire USP is indestructibility. If he stays, as you've just so eloquently put, Dorian, it just means nothing means anything anymore. Nobody gives a fuck. It doesn't matter. You can do whatever you like. You can figuratively shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and suffer no no punishment. Um, But I think that the damage, where the damage is really happening, is almost immaterial to whether he stays or whether he goes, because this is... This outrage has leaked out of our little bubble, right? So us and the people watching this, we hate him anyway. We hate, we, we hate him with reason. We hate him for what he's done. We hate him for what he represents. We hate for the damage he's wrought on the country, the way he's polluted and debased politics, etc. We hate him for his obnoxious arrogance. And, you know, Alex, you mentioned the, the, the stuff on the steps um, yesterday where asked a load of completely pertinent questions. He just went, Brexit? You got it wrong on Brexit. It's the hard right equivalent to Iraq. What do you think about this? Iraq, do you know what I mean? Just expelliarmus and, and, and designed to, to wind people up. I mean, I've no idea how none of those cameramen just lost it and just batted his head with a camera. But the outrage has leaked out of our bubble. It's not just us who are disgusted and sickened by this, actually. And it's not just social media. It's you know, any channel you can you can find, phone in radio, you know, comment boxes in, in you know, reliably right-wing newspapers everybody it's like you know it does this is a question of does it pass the your nan test what would your nan say what would your uncle jamie doesn't really you know it's kind of basically soft tory probably voted for them last time liked them very much but thought much better than corbyn what does he think and they're disgusted to their core because fundamentally it's it's not playing the game it's saying rules are for suckers rules are for little people rules are for the nobodies but when you're in power well you just get to make your own um your own decisions and the way that the cabinet abased itself yesterday that with that that groveling shameful display has compounded it so you know to a degree i sort of think it you know in terms of the government's fortunes in that dimension i'm not sure whether he stays or goes matters you know if he stays it's like yeah fuck all of you you don't matter if he goes well this supposedly indestructible machine uh you know there's um there's a weakness in the vents at the back of the death star but I, but it can be exploited but that, i mean that point you make you know, you're constantly being told when there's a political scandal or whatever. Oh, well, you know, what do people care about, you know, in, you know, WorkSop yeah. or whatever. Um, and yet, you know, when you look at your Twitter feed and it is literally nothing but Dominic Cummings. I mean, there was, there was, I had to scroll down a long way before anybody was talking about anything else. And then on my walk earlier, I overheard a couple of women walking past and they were talking about it. And they weren't talking about it in partisan terms, like this is our chance to get Cummins. Because yeah. there is an Al Capone tax evasion quality to this where <laughs> you're just like, you can't get Cummings on a lot of the other more sort of nebulous stuff, but you can get yeah. him on a kind of quite a narrow legal thing. But they weren't talking about that. They were talking about in great detail about the rights and wrongs of taking your four-year-old yeah. To, to you know, to Durham to be looked after, whatever they were, and this is like, this is very unusual. It's not 
often that you just walking down the street and you hear people discussing the news story of the day. That's like a happens a couple of times a year. The reason they put out a WhatsApp message to absolutely every minister yesterday and then pushed it to MPs and backbenchers saying, everyone say this, is because they recognize that this is a real and present danger for them. They needed to squash it basically yesterday. Well, if we were still allowed to get on buses, the man on the Clapham omnibus would be talking about this, right? It's got that because it's actually, a, it is for once, a really simple, straightforward, black and white, open and shut case. A person in power told us in very, very clear terms, unambiguous terms, what we've got to do and then did the precise opposite. Now, that's the kind of thing that gets, that's the kind of thing that if pubs were still open, we'll be talking in pubs. If golf clubs were still open, they'd be talking about it in golf clubs. It is, yeah, and the fact that he is such a deeply unsympathetic character, this kind of arrogant Gollum figure, I don't think, you know, the only people out there who like him see him as in that avatar way. You know, they quite like to be the nasty, don't give a fuck guy. But for most of the country, you know, boringly, this is a country of quite nice people, quite, we're a country of cures. We're a country of people who boringly obey the rules and then grumble about them. And we really, really, really detest uh, people who don't play by those rules, particularly if they can do it through, uh, through a privileged position. And we really, really loathe hypocrisy. So that, I think, is the damaging thing. It doesn't matter for the people watching this, um, this recording or listening to this podcast. I don't think our opinions are changing in any way about, about Dominic Cummings and Boris Johnson. It's the people in the middle. They're the ones who are, who are um, changing their opinions. And I was thinking last night, I put something up on the social media feeds for both podcasts. Like, please don't let this fade from the news cycle. We need to remember it. And I found that government tweet. I found the number 10 tweet saying, stay at home um, and tried to spread it around. But it, I don't think it is leaving the cycle. I think the idea that they thought it could just burn out over the weekend, mm. it's not doing that. I think this is going to run and run until something happens. Um, so, Ross, just to wrap up, do you because the sense of government having good judgment is really important. It's extremely important at the moment in managing the pandemic. Um, it's important to their project of delivering Brexit and being trusted that if they decide it's no deal, you know, you want, people want to feel like, well, I guess I'm just an ordinary person in the street. The government must know what they're doing. To blow this, which seems to many people like a very clear-cut case, do you think that is going to just inhibit... Uh, you know, have this sort of long-term effect on sort of approval ratings and just trust in them to, 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 do these, to do these massive things. Yeah, and I think you're beginning to see that uh, in that Keir Starmer's ratings are improving substantially and Boris Johnson's are falling. I think as, as someone who's been extremely critical of Dominic Cummings for a long time, to say the least, in some ways, you know, briefly, I did feel frustrated that what may get him is something... In the scheme of things, considering what he has done to this country with all his work for vote leave and subsequently and prorogation of parliament and all the other things that he's inflicted on this country is, is small beer. Because the, what Brexit will inflict on this country and what the extremely hard Brexit that he is perfectly happy to inflict on this country will do is infinitely more damaging than anything he could do as an individual. Nonetheless, it has cut through because it is an insight into his personal morality, which, uh, which people can instantly understand in a way that so much of Brexit was opaque, difficult to understand, and 
was therefore beyond, frankly, many people's ability to take in, not because they're stupid, but because Brexit is the most complicated subject I have ever come across in my lifetime in terms of news and people don't have the bandwidth. And so there's a frustration in a way that this very small thing, in a way, may be his downfall. But I think it's an extremely important because Cummings is so vital to the Brexit project because I don't think there is anyone else who can still explain in an, to Boris Johnson why he should do, carry on doing Brexit, why he should persevere with this mad project and provides any kind of intellectual coherence to doing it. And this is why he's clinging on to him so hard because he's so vital to, he's so vital to the whole ecosystem of Brexit that has sprung up. And I think if we see Cummings go, my hope is that we will see a gradual unravelling, well, hopefully a rapid unravelling. My hope is that we will see a rapid unravelling of the government and the whole Brexit project. Well, we're going to move on to, to just a few questions, a few quick questions um, <clears throat> before we go. And, and actually, this one is relevant. It's from Bart Crisp. Um, says, if Johnson does decide he can't tough this out and Cummings is gone, how big a shift is that likely to lead in the government's policies? You just mentioned Brexit there, Roz. This says, do we think Priti Patel is likely to suddenly radically revise her approach at the Home Office, for instance? How big a difference exactly is this going to make to the overall direction of government? Not massively instantly, but a small, a small change in direction in terms of degrees now will be a massive difference in six months' time, if that makes sense. So, so you know, small course corrections make big difference in the long term. And I think what it will make a difference to is the composition of the cabinet, because there is a sense now that the cabinet comprises of people who are mostly not very good, not very smart, but quite compliant and quite obedient. And that is definitely Cummings that is, that is engineering that, because he wants people that he can tell, you go do X and they will go do X. Um, so I think, you know, you might get in the next reshuffle uh, uh, slightly more competent people who have more of a brain of their own sneaking into cabinet, that's th um, which, which will make a big difference in the long and, run. And it's not just in terms of talent. Uh, you know, we've got to remember Hobbit, uh, uh, Cummings is the architect of the, the hub and spoke approach to uh, cabinet, which is that everything runs through him. Yeah, you know, we saw it with the, the defenestration of uh, Javid and with you know, the numerous, uh, you know, the way, the way government has effectively been reorganised in that everybody's advisors are handpicked and approved by Cummings. Everybody's policy has to go through Cummings. Now, if you take that, I don't want to say centre of the web because it's all a bit too dramatic. If you take the centre of the spokes away, you, you do need to reorganise. They're, they're not going to replace Dominic Cummings with another Dominic Cummings. There isn't one around, thank God. So perhaps you end up with, uh, you know, a slightly less centrally directed, slightly, you know, it sounds comical, but slightly more uh, collegiate um, cabinet. Now, given the absolute dearth of talent in there, I don't think it'd be massively effective, but it would certainly be different um and you know this quite you know this quite young new government is going to have to work out new ways of doing things i mean he's not you know coming as for whatever we might say about him he has talent and he has a, a force of personality and he's a powerful individual 
you know, I sort of feel like he's the bottom of the Jenga of all this thing. So you pull it out and, you know, what have you got? A, you know, a, a big pile of Dominic Robs and Suella Bravermans and, and, and whoever. So that, I, th- I think a, 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 a reorganization kind of, you know, a panic one would, would uh, if he disappeared, would give you a very different looking cabinet. Well, next question, there's quite a few, a lot of questions are sort of, are quite, are sort of overlap. Um, but Roz, here's one, Imogen Hardy, assuming Cummings is fired by Johnson, do we think he'll actually leave the government or just end up in an even shadier backroom role? And someone else has asked, are there any kind of uh, institutions in place to stop somebody from continuing to be an advisor, but just not so visible? Um, there used to be institutions in place. I mean, there used to be the existence of the, well, there is still the civil service. The question, is, I mean, I, I think undoubtedly we'd still be giving Johnson a huge amount of advice from behind the scenes. Um, whether he would want to, I mean, in some ways, Cummings would be very sensible if he were to get out now. Life is not going to get any better for Giant Cummings now. We are about to enter a huge recession. Brexit is going to be a huge screw up. I don't see what the joy can possibly be in doing his job. He's mad to want to do it. So uh, in, in that sense, he'd be sensible to leave. But he um, does seem to have a, a, a will to power, which is at least equal to Johnson's. So probably that won't happen. Um, yeah, there is a strong chance that he could continue to exert an influence from behind the scenes. But how effective it would be is questionable. And how long, as I say, the government can really continue in this way. David Cutts asks, as many others do, is this not a large, smelly, dead cat to distract from ST insight analysis? Which is the thing about the lives lost, lives that may have been saved if we'd had an earlier lockdown. And I just, w- I just want to say, no. I, I just no, want to say, as someone not. who's on Twitter a lot, I wish nobody had ever heard of the phrase dead cat. I am sick to the back (laughs) teeth of it. It's like the whole point of a dead cat is the government makes the story happen. The government throws the dead cat on the table to distract. What's happened here is that the Guardian and Mirror made the story happen. A story which, as we've discussed, is far more damaging because it's so simple. You know, it's a simple individual, you know, uh, upsetting the sense of fair play. Compared to the insight analysis, oh, which scientists should you have listened to? When should you have put the lockdown? How many lives might have been saved? It's a counterfactual. We'll never know. The idea that, that, that they would want to distract from that with this, it, it's, it's a much more damaging story. Just seems to me crazy, even if they'd been the ones that, you know, put it into the kind of news, which they didn't. Also, um, uh, the, the point of the dead cat to distract from the other story falls flat on the basis that the other story is not going anywhere. The, the sort of the debrief, the inquiry into what went wrong at the early stages of the lockdown ain't going to fucking disappear in one weekend. Do you know what I mean? It will still be waiting there for them in two weeks' time. Someone said, I'm afraid I, I can't find it, so you're going to have to accept my apologies for not crediting the question. Um, is it not to the advantage of Johnson's opponents, both within the Conservative Party and outside the Conservative Party, for Cummings to stay? Is it not actually better for both the Labour Party and us and his internal opponents that this guy should stay and keep fucking up? No, I never think that's true. 
I never think that's mm-hmm. true. It's sort of the idea that, 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 that sort of, I remember people saying it's about Trump, or it's better for the Democrats that Trump is there. And it's like, is it though? Hasn't the country just got worse and worse and worse? There's always the assumption mm-hmm. that if somebody that you don't like stays in place, eventually everybody else will realize that they're awful. That is not the case. I'm very much in favor of getting rid of the worst actors when you can. Mm. Although I suppose the difference, the difference between a, a, a Trump and a Johnson and a Cummings is that Cummings isn't, a, isn't the overt head of state or political leader. He's, he's, a, he's now a troublesome employee. He's now a he's now a he's now a broken cog in the machine, and that always assumes that always assumes that that's the way it's going to pan out. I don't think that history necessarily shows that. I don't think that people do are broken and do cause all this damage by hanging around. I think if you if this is the chance where he might go, you've got to want him to go. It's not yeah, as if there aren't some more a- duds. It's not as if Starmer's <laughs> going to look at the, the shadow. Sorry, look at the cabinet and go with Cummings gone. I've got nobody to have a go at. This is just like mm. an. This is like a. This is the all stars. <laughs> conversely, by the way, it was Adam Brocklehurst with the question. By the way, um, conversely, though, um, everybody else is just feeble and pathetic and uh, incapable of action and incompetent. Whereas Cummings is actually overtly, poisonously, self-interestedly, arrogantly, dismissively horrible. We have a more substantive answer here from. Uh regular Naomi Smith. Who's she? Who says, who says you can write uh, or tweet your MP about it using the Best for Britain app, Hey MP. So if you, look at their, if you look at the Best for Britain Twitter feed, you will find, I think it's a pinned tweet, uh, an app that lets you put, put in your postcode and then instantly you can uh, tweet message or email your local MP telling them how you feel about Cummings. Although Money Corkins says, what if your local MP is Dominic Raab? Um, all the more important, yeah. I'm afraid. All the more important. It's important not to leave the, the MPs that you know are towing the line and are in that bubble. It's important not to leave them believing that everyone's behind them. And perhaps it's also useful if you get your conservative voting mom or dad or auntie to do it because that those are the people who are going to move the dial and i think we've you know we've got to a moment where there's like there's a vast reserve of disgust that wasn't there five days ago and that's got to mean something um so we should we should probably wrap up i just wanted to say one question that we haven't answered but it's been brought up a lot and it's almost a more a comment than a question which would be familiar from anyone who's ever promoted a book um <laughs> Which is just just basically saying credit where it's due to uh, the journalists who not only broke this story, but played a blinder with kind of making it look like they had the scoop, letting the government debase itself, and then coming back with the second bit. And that does, a lot of people are just saying that this is, this, this is excellent journalism compared to some of the uh, source says access journalism uh, that we've seen from sort of uh, some high-profile journalists, which perhaps has not been so useful this weekend. But by the way, what, something on that, it was quite interesting this weekend to see that number that, 10 sources were saying that Dominic Cummings hadn't done anything wrong. Dominic Cummings is the number 10 source, isn't he? So is that effectively we're quoting, they were quoting himself as an independent authority saying he'd done nothing wrong. I think, you know, I well, it really shows that the kind of source like, you know, uh, 
you know, culprit says he is innocent is not as useful as somebody going and interviewing a kind of retired teacher in the countryside yeah. around Durham who says, actually, he jotted down his uh, number plate. And it's like, it's the difference between kind of just, he says, she says, access journalism and proper reporting, um, which has been extremely uh, useful on this occasion. And credit to... So we should Inira definitely give Philippa, Carrera a, we should give Philippa Carrera a shout out by name and we should try and get her on the show somehow. So that we can like play Entrance of the Queen of Sheba as she comes on and praise her. So that's it for our special Domcast. Uh, we'll be back on the regular Bunker and Romaniacs during the week, uh, one of which, if we're lucky, will be called Requiem for a Megamind. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, thanks for joining us. Stay safe and don't drive to Durham. The Bunker Daily was presented by Dorian Linsky with Alex Andreu, Ross Taylor and Andrew Harrison. The producer was Andrew Harrison. The assistant producer was Jacob Archbold. And audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production. Bunker Daily.